A vacant room of dark spaces where furniture once lay. An empty lot of trash and cracked concrete where weeds take root with hopes of becoming trees and cobwebs span for miles. Worn wind chimes still glisten in sun. Papers of bad handwriting fly with the wind. This place left unoccupied for so much time. Small lives make home in the walls. While this home settles further beneath dirt, this place reminds me of our forgetfulness, our need to not rebuild. As the place turns old, we leave it behind. Never to fix again, never to feel loved again. Weeping floorboards, walls crying tears of yellow paint, roof caving in feeling hollow. Abandoned places, forgotten, always forgotten. Karina Hendrix, Abandoned Places. Empty spaces, what are we living for? Abandoned places, I guess we know the score. On and on, does anybody know what we are looking for? The script has the women entering the barracks instead of the mess hall and it plays only a little differently. Interior abandoned base slash barracks, day. The door to the barracks dormitory opens and the five women enter. Light pushes through the grimy windows and the foliage that has grown up outside. It illuminates rows of beds with bare mattresses. Thornson pulls off her bag and drops it on the nearest one. Thornson, I've slept in worse. Shepard, not sure I have. Since this is the mess hall instead, and the location has been explicitly abandoned some point in the last three years, it is mostly empty, somewhat messy, and poorly lit. Director of photography Rob Hardy explains to Mark Dillon, American Cinematographer Magazine, 12th March 2018, quote, The cinematographer's overall lighting approach in Area X was essentially independent of actor movement. The actors were free to move, as most of the lighting was either integral to the sets or offset, he says. We did not differentiate between darker and lighter parts of the room. The actors used the shadow as well as the light. I did not want to restrict their movement and did not want it to feel preconceived by having them land in lit areas, as that feels fake to me. It's about the space and the environment. The characters enter into that environment, and the light behaves the way it behaves and we don't change it. For me, it's never about lighting specific people. It's about lighting environments. The characters in these scenes are surrounded by points of light in the background and around the edges as if, as digital colorist Asa Soul suggests, they were being oppressed or overwhelmed by the new environment while enlightenment was just out of their reach. End quote. Sure enough, any obvious lighting in the scene comes from outside the building, diffused through, as the script says, grimy windows. We begin this minute already inside the mess hall having arrived ahead of the women, which, cutting from the slowly moving alien mass of yellow on the wall of a nearby bunker, makes for an interesting transition. We have been with the women. Except, for example, that transition from flashback with Daniel to the interior of Lena's tent in minute 30, or that shot from inside the gator's mouth, minute 37. A small tent with no logical transition for us and no memorable transition for Lena into the shimmer. The dark maw of a mutated creature recently dead, and now the abandoned mess hall where we will soon see horrible things happened roughly a year ago. Pained moments, unknown moments, transitions that are not easy. And we are both slightly ahead of the women, and also just as much in the dark. 
We are angled on the inside doors, windows with open blinds on either side. Through the blinds on the left, we can see, out of focus, the outer glass doors just opening, the women entering. Camera dollies slowly back away from the doors, the women approach and then come through the interior doors. Shepard in the lead, followed by Thornson and then Raddick, then Lena, then Ventress. Keep in mind it was Ventress who pointed out the mess hall and was the first to start walking toward it. Now she enters last, presumably playing it safe. The film takes a lot of the leadership role, in the group's movement at least, and gives it to Shepard. Shepard is, as we have learned in recent scenes, probably the most healthy in terms of her mental health and her ability to speak about and deal with her own past. Tuva Novotny portrays her with a certain confidence that makes her repeated presence leading the group in Ventress's stead understandable, and probably, for many in the audience, virtually unnoticeable. Judging by the diagram, we will see a couple minutes from now, Fort Amaya is significantly smaller than RAF Bentwaters was. Just a handful of buildings. As it may have been a temporary facility built by Southern Reach, this makes sense. And this building may simply be a set, and not any building on site at Bentwaters. Bentwaters did have a large community center. It had a theater, it had a bowling alley, a library, a laundry, a bank, a chapel, a nursery, an NCO club, an airman's club, officer housing, a school, airman dormitories, a gymnasium, and a base hospital. Not to mention the hangars and other facilities and runways that made it an Air Force base. Ron Jensen, Stars and Stripes, 7 November 2004, writes about the closing of the base in 1993. Quote, Your memories, that's all you've got left, Master Sergeant Yancey Blanchard, who was one of the last airmen at RAF Bentwater, said during a telephone interview from Andrews Air Force Base, Maryland, where he is now stationed. Greg Smith, retired, said the difference was that when people left, they weren't replaced. He was an air traffic controller at the base when it closed. So was his wife, Gail. We had a great vantage point. You'd see plane after plane leave, and you knew they weren't going to come back, he said by telephone from Manon, where he is a civilian air traffic controller. The houses were empty, and you knew no one was ever going to be in them again. Blanchard said he and his buddies tried to look at the transition as simply a permanent change of station move. No big deal, he said. But it didn't work, he said. As buildings closed and services vanished, there was a sense of sadness that doesn't accompany the normal duty station transfer. For Sarah Brown, the roar of aircraft and the constant parade of Americans coming and going were important parts of her childhood. She lived just outside the base fence on her father's farm. We always had Americans living next door, Brown said. She remembers such unusual treats as Reese's peanut butter cups provided by friendly Americans to local children. She recalls riding ponies with other children near a particularly secure corner of the base and having guards point rifles at them. We thought that was fantastic, she said. The loss of the Americans had an impact on the local economy for a time, Brown said. At the same time, the nearby base of RAF Woodbridge was closed. More than 10,000 active duty members were stationed at the twin bases of Bentwaters and Woodbridge. The biggest impact was on the housing market as rents went down with hundreds of houses suddenly thrust onto the market. That has since rebounded, Brown said. But the social impact too was great. When the bases closed, part of the communities were taken, John Cattermole said in an email response to a question. He was born in Woodbridge and married the daughter of an American airman. End quote. The mess hall has not been completely cleared of furniture, but the few tables and chairs in the room are mostly crowded into bunches at the outside edges of this one large room. Thornson, his beds and bags. 
We cannot see these beds and bags yet, of course. Thornson presumably means the inflatable mattresses and sleeping bags similar to the ones the women have strapped to their packs, as there are no actual beds in this room. Thornson turns a little toward Shepard. Thornson continued. You think people are here? Second 30, cut to, angle from in front of women. Lena, Shepard in the front, Ventress behind, Thornson, Raddick. They have not entirely stopped walking, but they have slowed significantly. Lena, we're we're here. here. Thornson turns to look at Lena. Shepard, yeah, I'm going to go with the past tense. The women start to remove their packs. Lena first, followed immediately by Ventress and Thornson. Interesting actor-slash-character choices in the moment. Lena keeps at least one hand on her rifle at all times, as she takes her pack off one shoulder and then the other. As does Ventress. Thornson, though seemingly the tough one of the group, actually removes her rifle first, and then her pack. Second 40 cut to angle from behind women through open doors. Lena is already moving, pack left behind, rifle in both hands, passing between Shepard and Thornson and heading to the left. Barely visible at the edge of the doorframe, Raddick finally moves to remove her pack. At the opposite side of the room, we can see the mess of equipment left behind, as we will soon learn by at least one previous expedition. Boxes and bags and cots and... Really, it seems like the mess of more than one group of soldiers. Though we will not get a good look at what all is there. Thornson sets her pack off to the right, leaning against the leg of the table. Shepard's pack is not yet off, but on the next cut, second 43, back to the dolly shot from the women's right, it is Shepard, Sand's pack, heading off to the left of the group. Lena is headed more straight ahead. Thornson next, her rifle in just one hand as she situates the rifle strap into place again. And now Raddick and Ventress as well move forward, rifles in hand. Cameron moves farther into the room, trucking past a table with flashlights, a table with mugs, and a water bottle that should go in a water cooler. A single table sits at the far end of the room, isolated from other furniture. That table will matter soon, but not yet. Ventress, moving slower than the camera, is lost out of the left edge of the frame. Raddick turns toward that table of flashlights, maybe there's other equipment there she wants to examine, and she is left out of the moving frame as well. Thornton lets go of her rifle with her left hand and positions the rifle to hang at her right side with her right hand. She has seen something. Thornton, damn. She speeds up, heading for something just out of frame to the right. She stops, letting go of her rifle completely, looking at something on the floor, and time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. Annihilation. 